All right, everybody. What's going on? My name is Josh Corporal. Welcome to Fire Builders Live. Uh, we are streaming live from Key West, Florida, and today I have special guest Michael O'Brien on the show. Michael, welcome to the show. Josh, thanks for having me. So the weather, I think, down in Key West is so much better than New Jersey, but um, <laughs> sun's out here, so summer's here. Great to be on. Been looking forward to this for a number of days, so can't wait to do it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. And to be honest, right now the weather is okay in Key West. It's still slightly cool, but I can tell you that in about three weeks, I'm going to be wishing that I was up there in Jersey. It's going to be yeah. so hot. Yeah, so uh, so in the meantime, before we get into what we're going to be talking about today, if you're not familiar with how Fire Builders Live works, uh, we stream live Monday through Saturday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time like I said, from Key West, Florida. And what we do is we bring on experts, we take big goals, and we break those things down into small steps, things that you can do every single day to improve. Now, today is going to be a very cool episode. Michael is doing something that almost seems a little bit crazy and inhuman, and I'm so proud to have him on the show to be talking about this. Right? He's an executive coach, a speaker, an author. He is the guy that has had his last bad day. And what that means is that in the past, uh, Michael, how long ago was this accident? It'll be three weeks time. It'll be 19 years. It was Nin July 11, 2001. 19 years. 19 years ago, uh, was out on a training ride in New Mexico. He was hit head on by an SUV going 40 miles an hour. It was a near-death experience. And from that moment, he said, today is going to be my last day, and he made a life shift. And now he helps other people, coaches them to do the exact same thing. And on top of that, if that weren't cool enough, as a way to celebrate this 19th year anniversary, right, with living with purpose, honoring those people that supported him, he is going through a 19-hour cycle ride, supporting 19 charities during this crazy, you know, COVID-19 time. And uh, so it's a perfect segue into helping people, what we're going to talk about on the show, coaching people through their last bad day. So again, Michael, it's a pleasure to have you. Welcome to Fire Builders Live, my man. Thanks, Josh. I'm so psyched. It's so great that the Unfair Advantage crew brought us together. You know, um, that's right. Just a great community. And uh, like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm psyched that I have a chance to talk to you about this. And share the message with a whole bunch of other folks because I know your community and the people you bring on are about helping others. And this little crazy idea that I have is all about helping others so we can create a better, better planet, yeah. a better world, yeah. better, better country. Well, I'll tell you, how did this start for you? Um, you know, just maybe give a quick background of the accident and how everything shifted. Sure. So before the accident, so based in New Jersey, I was the marketing director for my company's flagship drug, 33 at the time, two young girls, three and a half years old, seven months old, married seven years. So on the surface, if you could stalk me on LinkedIn or Facebook back then, they weren't even invented back then. You would see like a guy with a pretty normal life. But what I was doing was a lot of comparisonitis, comparing myself to others and a lot of chasing happiness. I'll be happy when I'll be happy when I got promoted, got that new car, new house, girls got what they needed, all that jazz. 
And I was pouring a whole bunch of stress inside because I was following the script that us dudes get when we're younger, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a leader and a provider. And being true with your emotions, being authentic with who you are, being an authentic human being ain't part of that script. So I was just pouring the stress inside, inside. And we had a meeting out in New Mexico, one of those classic corporate Monday through Friday, try to torture you by PowerPoint in between. Right. I brought my bike out. I was going to cross New Mexico off the states. I've ridden my bike. And on the fourth lap of that morning, July 11th, I came around a bend and the Ford Explorer was right there coming at me. And I thought, Josh, I was like, oh, he totally sees me. He's going to swerve out of the way. Like what? It was so surreal. I just didn't have enough time to react. And I ran out of time. And I remember the sound I made when I hit his grill of this truck. The sound I made when I went through the windshield, I popped a hole through the windshield, which is pretty impressive. People can pick up a picture of that on my website. I still vividly remember the screech of his brakes. And then I got knocked unconscious, as you would imagine. I regained consciousness. I woke up, if you will, surrounded by EMTs, police, um, ambulance, fire, you name it. And I knew my life was in question. And I asked them at the time, all right, well, What's one way to sort of cut the tension, you know, with a little humor? And I was like, hey, how's my bike? It's only a question another cyclist can totally appreciate. (laughs) And their answer didn't surprise me. They were like, your bike's fine. You got to focus on you. Just try to breathe. But when they told me to do that, the way they said it was like, oh, 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 this just got real. And I was in the worst pain of my life. And I knew my life was in question. I was like, this is not how the script plays out. Like, this is not my movie. Like it doesn't end here. And I was like, Holy cow, this is like, but this is happening. And then they put me on the helicopter to take me to Albuquerque, the only trauma one center in the state. And I remember as they put me up onto the helicopter for those 19 minutes, I told myself, if I live, life is going to be different. You're going to stop chasing happiness, Michael. And it was one of those bargains you make when like, you're in a crisis. You got nothing I, else to lose at that point. I was just like, if you live, this is going to happen. I had no clue how I was going to do it because I'm in a moment of just like, it's fight or flight, right? I'm fighting for my life. And I was like, going to stop chasing happiness. This is got to change the script. Again, no idea how. Got to the hospital. First surgery took about 10 to 11 hours. I needed 34 units of blood product. So what happened is my whole body basically broke, but the left femur shattered. And when the left femur shattered, it lacerated the femoral artery of my left leg. So in essence, I was bleeding out. The doctors still don't know how I survived. They said if I'd been 10 years older or not in shape, I would have died before I got to the hospital just because of blood loss. And I spent the next four days in the ICU and I came out. The doctors painted this grim picture of my world the lifetime of dependency limitations, more surgery. They're like, you're probably not going to walk very well. You're probably never going to get back on the bike. And so the identity that I once knew before my accident of like grinding it out on my hamster wheel, like so many people today, I had lost that. And I didn't know what my new identity was. So fear, worry, anxiety, all the different emotions that we were feeling at the start of COVID as a country, like who are we going to become? We, like we know like the past wasn't working well, but like what's the future look like? It was yeah. too it was too fuzzy. It was too fuzzy for me. And I spent a lot of time just 
sort of festering in my hospital bed playing the victim for a, a good a good several weeks. This was just uh, just to to heal up to a point where, I mean, I would take it you couldn't even walk. Like, how long did it take to even be able to put weight on your leg and walk? So on my thirty fourth birthday, that was my that was one of the best birthday gifts ever. They gave me a chance to put full weight on both legs. So if there's any Seinfeld fans out there, there was the summer of George where George gets crippled or injured and he walks on parallel bars. That was my first attempt. 15 feet. That's all I got out of the wheelchair for the first time, walked 15 feet and I was sweating. It took so much effort. Um, but it was, it was beautiful. Uh, but I, at that at that point, I already had my sort of aha, my shift in my perspective, because for the longest time, I was pretty angry and frustrated and even revengeful. I thought you know, I grew up with this whole belief, you harm me, I will harm you, an eye for an eye, that type of thing. So I, I schemed up ways to get back at the driver. And then one of my mentors called and said, hey, listen, all the events in your life, Michael, are neutral until you label them. And I was like, say what? Like. You know, I was on, as you can imagine, Josh, many meds. I was right. pretty drugged up. And I was like, is that some like Jedi mind trick that you're playing on me? And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, nothing has meaning until you give it meaning. Right now, you're giving your accident the meaning that you're the victim, that life is unfair and woe is you. And you know what? There is some truth to that. You're laid up in the hospital. Your identity is shaken. Luckily, you have health care. You still have your daughters. You still have your wife. You still have a whole bunch of people in your in your life, people in your peloton, if you will. Uh, sort of my analogy for your tribe. You say, but you're painting your picture, this picture that you're the victim. The life is unfair. That's the label you're giving it. And I was like, okay. He goes, you get to choose your labels. You can label this completely differently. You can be not just the victim. You can be something else. And so that was just enough of the door opening to say, okay, well, what are the possibilities? How can I tap into resilience and take this moment and make a shift, reframe it, if you will? So I decided to do that. And that's how my last bad day sort of became my last bad day to say, you know what? I'm labeling that this day as my day of being a victim. And most people would say, spot on, you were so unfair. The driver had a revoked license. He had five DUIs on his record. He shouldn't have been driving that day, all that jazz. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to label this my last bad day. And not in terms of unicorns and rainbows and Skittles and all that jazz, but more in this is the day you write your new script. And this is happening for you, not to you, which is, I think, a big, big lesson in resilience and how to reframe things, that things can happen for us, not to us. When we believe they happen for us, we can see opportunity. And that was an important reframe for me to say, okay, this is happening for me, not to me. And now I have some opportunities, opportunities to write a new script. It's like, And I think, I think COVID's happening for us. So for us to write a new script. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, I feel that you're right in the sense that the, the, when things happen to us, it takes all control out of it. You know, we feel almost helpless to the situation as opposed to, as opposed to happening for us where this breadth of opportunities sort of lays itself to your feet and you say, okay, now which path do I want to take? Um, 
So that makes total sense. And, uh, and just real quick, I was going to ask, uh, did they find out how that guy, was he just driving drunk? No. So that's one of the unexplained mysteries of the whole accident. Now he first claimed he was swerving to avoid a coyote or a coyote, depending on, you know, potato, potato, tomato, tomato, right? Right. Where we are uh, in the world. Yeah. So whether it was a coyote or a coyote, if there was one near me on my bike ride, I would have been back at my hotel <laughs> lickety split. So I saw no coyote there, but he claims there was a coyote. I, what I think here, here's the reality. I was on a back service road of the hotel. So I went out the back service road up the main drag it was a two mile loop. I thought I would do 10 loops for 20 miles and be the smug one in my meeting. It was like, I went outside to work out. What did you guys do? You slept in lazy bones. Right. And so he was coming in to work. He was coming in to set up for our meeting because we were the only meeting at this hotel. And I think he was late for work and he was cutting the turn because he was like, I've never seen a cyclist out here. It was a relatively new hotel. So there hasn't been a lot of traffic out there to the, you know, to the date we were there. So he was like, I'm just going to speed on this road. Cutting the apex. It was a 25 mile per hour road. He was going about 40 based on the skid marks of my bike, based on what the police estimate. And I think he just was just driving too fast, cutting the apex. And all of a sudden, I was right there when he was right there. And the rest is a beautiful story that starts off a little rough, but it ends really well. So it's just one of those things that, you know, talk about the universe, right? It, and I and I I didn't feel this way in the beginning. I, I'll say that to be very transparent. But I I've come to realize that when I was grinding it out, and I think so many people today are just grinding it out with much without much awareness, just hustling it twenty four seven, trying to do more to be more, all that jazz. You know, because we live in this entrepreneurial world, and there's that feeling like I'm, I'm just not enough. I'm just not enough. If I do more. If I make it here, then I'll be enough. I was going through all that in a corporate environment that, you know, it just, um, I probably missed a whole bunch of signs. It was like universe, mother nature, God, whoever you want to give credit to was saying, Hey, Michael, Hey, pay attention. Like, and what I do just we have went, to do? What do we have to do, Michael, to get you yeah, to like open your yeah. eyes, man? Yeah. And basically it was like, I just, I kept on riding past it, riding past it, riding past it. And they're like, listen, you know, uh, you can fill in some blanks and some, you know, colorful words like we're going to give you something you can't ignore. And what I've come to realize is that if you're all cocky with life, if you're up by three going into the bottom of the ninth, the home team comes up and batting last for the home team is God, the universe and mother nature. In reality, that's fourth. And so if you think you've like figured it out, you know, those will keep you humble um, and because they always get on base and they always score. And I, I just wasn't, I wasn't living my life with much awareness because the only thing I was aware of was here's the script, Michael, that you're supposed to follow. This is what it means to be a guy. This is what it means to be a dad and a father uh, and a husband rather, and a professional follow that script, work your way up the corporate ladder. Life is good. And that script wasn't working well enough for me because I didn't know how to process my stress. I spent too much time comparing myself to others. I was never fully happy. I never felt I was enough. So I felt I had to do more. 
And then, you know, the universe gave me a really big pause button, much like COVID is giving us a really big pause button to shine a light on all of our fissures, our scars, our the things that we need to fix. And now we have this beautiful moment to work on the things that we need to work on. Just like 19 years ago, I got a chance to work on the things I had to work on. Yeah. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And I think if I were to put myself in that position, honestly, I I find it very commendable that you were able to let go of a lot of that frustration and anger and 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 see forward as opposed to spending all of your time looking backwards. And I think that's a great segue into the first kind of question of the show is, is how do you, like we were talking a little bit earlier uh, before this, like how do you not poison the well? When you have a bad moment, how is it that you get past that and, and really focus on the possibilities as opposed to like the past and what has happened? And so how would you suggest, you might've touched on this a little bit, but if people did one thing every day to be able to do this, what would it be in your opinion? Breathe. Breathe more. So I have a little funny thing I, I call grabbing a PBR, Josh, which does not stand for Paps Blue Ribbon. No offense to that. <laughs> That's Beer exactly where my mind went. Yeah, everyone does. So it's a really cute way to remember. So grabbing a PBR, something I developed when I was in the hospital, every time I was getting percolated, every time I was getting worked up. Because although I've called this my last bad day, I've had bad moments over the last 19 years. We're living through a bad moment. Um, We're all feeling a lot right now. And PBR stands for pause, breathe, reflect. To slow it down. And that process of just slowing it down, it could be just one big breath and that's all you need. It could be 10 minutes, could be two hours. It's a little dose of um, mindfulness, if you will. And it's just enough to put some distance between the trigger, like your thought, because our thoughts drive our emotions, our emotions drive our behavior. So we have a thought which usually triggers us. It's the automatic. So we slow it down to say, okay, well, what are some other possibilities? How can I reframe this? Is there a different way of looking at it? And then I can be more responsible with the next thing I say or do. And that's key. Again, in our very busy world, Back in 2001, I didn't have to even worry about social media, but I still had a lot going on. I still had a big burden on my shoulders. In 2020, it's far more complicated because there's just so much. There's just so much more noise. So our ability to, yes, we can do our meditation. We can do our Calm or Headspace app in the morning. But if we're not breathing through the day, then what the heck are we doing in the morning? Like, so... And hey, I'm a fan. Like I do my meditation in the morning too, but we got to be able to breathe throughout the day because we're all going to have these moments where we're going to get triggered. And so breathe more is the answer to the question. If we can just do more of that to slow down, we can be more intentional and more thoughtful about what we're about to say and do next. Yep. No, it makes it makes total sense. And uh, here, let me put this up on the screen so that you can see, um, you know, David says, pause, breathe, reflect. I love that. You know, that's, that's a really, I, it, just an easy way to remember those things. I love it, man. Yeah, it's easy. Sometimes you need a keg. Sometimes it's a six pack. Sometimes <laughs> you just need, you know, a 12, 12 ounce can. So uh, either way, but that's, mm. we need to do that more. I think we need to do that more today, what we're going through to make sure we have the 
the energy for the long haul, the long ride, if you will, because we have some things to fix. We have to write a new script. And that is going to take day in and day out attention, intentionality, and perseverance, low resistance, a resilience thrown in for good measure to make that happen. This is not just a two-week flurry of activity. This is a, hey, we're committing the rest of our lives to making it right. And I feel like as you're talking about that one almost crystallization seed event, you know, the thing that changed everything for a lot of people, this lockdown and the, the you know, the forcible sort of tactics that they ended up having to adopt in order to survive, in order to move maybe their stuff online and, um, and, and really work outside of your comfort zone, their comfort zone is just, is, is like you said, it is like the way that the universe kind of gives you a sign and lets you have the opportunity to change, but for the better and really like pause and reflect, like give you some time, some space. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I feel like that happens to me a lot with just the busyness of the day. Like, I mean, now that we're, we have all a little bit more time, we can sort of reflect on that. But man, when you're in the moment, you don't, you don't even realize, you don't even realize how fast you're going until, until it stops. And then you say, shit, like that was, I just ignored yeah. so much. Yeah, I, I like to say like we're missing frames to our movie. Like it, we 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 do talk about like we're we're on a journey or our life is a movie. Well, when we got our blinders on or we're on our hamster wheel and we're just going. And now, hey, sometimes there are moments where we just got to go. Like I'm, I'm not saying we should be zen all the time. Like sometimes, like we got some shit to do. We got to get stuff done. But. When we can breathe, when we can gain more attention, we can see more frames of our movie. We can have greater awareness. And with more awareness, and this was a big thing coming out of my recovery. So I offered 20 ways of being in my, my memoir. The first one is awareness. The second one is about acceptance. So we're not arguing with reality because I was doing a lot of that the early in my recovery in the hospital bed. I was like, this shouldn't have happened. This shouldn't have happened. This is so unfair. And I was burning all these calories and I was like, well, Hey, in reality, Michael, it happened. Like, deal with it. Stop arguing with reality because reality wins 100% of its arguments. And then we get into action. And I think that's where we are. I think with COVID, we're starting to get there, um, hopefully, with Black Lives Matter and a whole bunch of other folks that have been marginalized over time, that we have more awareness. We're hopefully reading, listening, and watching more. We're learning more. We're unlearning more. So then we can have some acceptance that this script hasn't been working well enough for all of us. And now we can take some action, rewrite that script that works for all of us. And I think that just makes a, makes a better world, makes a better country. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and here I'll put this up too. you know, Linda says acceptance, the magic word for our blended family. That's just inclusion and allowing people in. Absolutely. And, and go Steelers. So I, so, uh, <laughs> so um, but, um, but I say acceptance, like if we just judged less and we're less of a jerk, like, like, like we are like so much of this comes from a place of judgment and not accepting that we have so many more similarities and differences that wherever you may be, like people want the same thing. They want happiness. They want their kids to have a better life, life than they had. They, we, we have so much more in common 
And if we can just judge less, accept more, there's more space for love, more space for connection, more space to do to do the right thing and to help each other out and see the world not through a lens of scarcity, but see it through a lens of abundance. And that's you know, that's one of the big lessons I learned coming through all this. I used to see the lens the world through a lens of scarcity, that there was only so much to go around. I had to grab my turf. I had to like hustle and grind to get mine. And then I realized that there's there's plenty to go around. Um, and if you you lead with some of these things, then everyone can have a seat at the table. Everyone can be great. Yeah, no, man, that's a, it's such, it's a very, very powerful message. A great message. I, uh, um, by the way, I, well, I'll just put this up anyway. Linda says, bless you, go Steelers, <laughs> just so that you know. By the way, so for all transparency, Linda, I am a Broncos fan, but I still like, I'm I'm a Eastern, East Coast guy. So got to root for the Steel City too. That's right. And I'm actually, I'm, I, I didn't tell you, this, but I'm from Pittsburgh as well. Like, uh, Oh, all right. Uh, all right. Yeah. yeah so, uh, so Steelers all the way, man. Yeah. Um, so, but, but cool. I agree. I totally agree. And, and how fast, so if someone were to adopt this sort of mantra, PBR, and pause, breathe, and reflect in an effort to, you know, in an effort to become better, in an effort to slow down a little bit and to be a little bit more thoughtful about the, the things and the people that's, that are happening around them, um, how fast of a transition have you been able to make in your life? So, for instance, if someone started to do this consistently over the next, same month, if they just did it a little bit every day, in your experience, what would happen? Well, I think some really cool things will happen based on my clients and just based on my own personal experience. One, the aperture of your camera expands. You're going to see more by slowing down. There'll be some, you know, body hormonal changes. Like you're, you'll in moments when you're triggered, you're, when you grab a PBR, your heart rate will start to, you know, slow your blood pressure will ease. You won't necessarily be able to measure those in the moment, but you can feel it in your body. And I think here's a big one, is that when we have greater awareness and we can be more thoughtful with what we're about to say and do next, we can have better conversation. There's obviously a lot of talk about emotional intelligence. We talk about that all the time in, in corporate life and entrepreneurial life, or just normal life. But there's something called conversational intelligence because when you bring it down to brass tacks, nothing happens in the world without a conversation. And a conversation is a two-way street. It's something we do with each other, not to each other. And so when we can be more aware, when we can be more thoughtful, when we have enough space to breathe and to be curious, we can have a better conversation. And what we need right now is a better conversation. And so what I've found with my clients is that I'm more thoughtful, I'm more intentional with the conversations I'm having, and they're better. And so it doesn't, it's not going to eliminate your bad moments. We're still going to have them. But maybe those bad moments don't become so intense as they once were, or they don't last as long. So that one conversation in a conference room, a meeting at 3 p.m. on a Friday doesn't ruin your weekend. It may be a tough 15 minutes, but you can find a way to let it go so you can get on with your weekend and enjoy that. So a lot of those things can happen, but the big one is that awareness, but then that, how that awareness leads into having better conversations with those around you. Do you think that a better conversation, when I think of that term, I think of, of 
getting past superficial like stuff, um, whether those are superficial grievances or differences, uh, and, and really getting into the heart of the matter in order to either come to an agreement or to, you know, I don't know, accept one person's opinion or, or, or agree to disagree. Um, what is it for you that like defines a good conversation? It's that the next question that we don't want to ask, but we really need to ask. Because a lot of times we see behavior, you know, think of that as like the tip of the iceberg, it pops up and like someone's doing something that's maybe irritating us. And we're like, why are they doing that? Like, you know, and we tend to um, put a lot of attention on well, they're doing it to us, right? Going back to, you know, they're behaving in a way that's impacting me. We're making it about us, me. And most people aren't. They're just showing up in the way that they they show up. Maybe because of their values. Maybe because of their old world beliefs. Who name it, it can run the gamut. So it, for for those that want to have a better conversation, it, it allows us just enough curiosity to say, "Hey, let me ask another question. The story I'm making up about this is this. Is this true or not? So let's dive a little bit deeper. When we dive a little bit deeper." Then all of a sudden we learn so much more, even as simple as, hey, Josh, how are you doing? Like, this is a question that we're all asking ourselves. Hey, how are you doing? And most people say, I'm doing good. And we're like, really? So really? Are we really doing good? And so the question I have a lot of my clients ask of their team members, I'm like, on a scale of one to 10, how good are you? Like one is like, I'm barely hanging on good. And 10 is awesome sauce good. And they find that the answers really are revealing. Some are like, I'm a five good. Or I'm a four good. And with that, that second question, all of a sudden we can have a more meaningful conversation as far as, hey, what's the pain point? What's happening? How do we move forward? How do we become more resilient? All that jazz. So yeah, it's really asking that second question that is a little uncomfortable to ask. But if we lead with curiosity, I think we're better equipped to ask it. Totally. Like, uh, because it doesn't end up becoming just this binary yes, no, good, bad you know, conversation. Now it actually has some, some gray area and that gray area just breeds that curiosity. Like, well, there are three, but they said that they were good. It's like, what's going on, man? Like, yeah. Yeah. And there's so many people walking around. You're like, Oh, they're at eight. And they're, they're really like a five, you know, and that happened with one of my clients. I was like, Oh yeah. Like she said, one of my, one of my direct reports, I thought she was an eight or a nine. She was like holding it all together. I asked her that question. She was like a four and then came the tears because then, because no one, no one really asked that question, right? The second one, everyone's like, oh, you're good, good, good. I'm good too. Good. Okay. We move on. Right. And for us to really connect, and I will say this, I want to be realistic. That is hard to do it with every, every interaction we have. But if we try to do it a little bit more, maybe 10% more, 20% more to say, hey, you're good on a scale of one to 10, how good are you? And that gives us a chance to connect at a deeper, at a deeper level. And it, it also says to the person to say, you know what? I'm asking a second question because I really care about your well-being. How good are you? This, how, how are you doing? It's not a throwaway. This is like, it matters because you matter. Our relationship matters because that's how we get things done. You ever have people get agitated when you ask that second question because you're kind of forcing them to think about something they have become comfortable not thinking about? Yes. 
Yeah. You know, there's a little bit of like, <sighs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you I was, know? I thought this was going to be just an easy chit chat, yeah. like city conversation. Yeah. You coaching me, Michael, like what the heck? It just, I just want to <laughs> just, you know, and I'm like, no, no, I really, like, really care. Like I want to know. And so, and sometimes that's reading the room, reading the person, you know, keep that in mind. But yeah, some people, I had one client yesterday, you know, she had this big sort of aha. And I said, well, welcome to coaching. And she was like, ah. and she's like, that's not a bad, ah, that's a, ah, we just had a, we had an awakening. We had an awareness moment and the sigh is I got more work to do. And here's the reality is that this moment in time, I think has revealed that we all have some things to work on. We are perfectly imperfect. Uh, we all have scars. We all have blemishes. We all have gray hair and maybe more today than we did three months ago. And that's totally cool. That's what makes us who we are. And so let's be open about that and get to work and trying to make ourselves just a little bit better tomorrow than we are today. And that was a really my big mantra coming out of my recovery. That was the thing I said to myself multiple times every day. All right, we're going to work hard today to make tomorrow better. And that just came to be like creating better tomorrows. And I think it's a really cool way of living your life. I do too. And, uh, and actually one thing, one quick thing that you said that I think is interesting is, you know, that, that openness, that vulnerability, you see that online, like the idea of being authentic and putting your authentic self out there. But then you also, if, if you're looking at it on a scale, you see people that tip way more towards the oversharing, like, yeah. And so it's a, I just want to say, it's like a difficult, difficult balance, I feel, to, to share and be authentic and, you know, tell people about your problems, but then not use them, use it as a tool to like, I don't know. Why do you think people even overshare to begin with? Because I think they believe it makes them feel relatable. Because there's one, there's this whole like quest for perfection. And let's be honest, like who, who gets to decide that? Like what's perfect, right? And going back to what I just said, we are perfectly imperfect. We all have some things that we're working on. And so along came Brene Brown. And I don't want to put it at the feet of Brene, but she's the first one that told us about vulnerability. Like you need to be vulnerable to connect. So then people take that vulnerability and they do a TMI overshare. It's like, no, 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 no. Like airing right. all your dirty life. And Brene will say this, like that's not, vulnerability that's and then in the entrepreneurial space a lot of folks who have everything like they're living behind a filter like everything is perfect their instagram is perfect there are no blemishes there's no scars there's no wrinkles somewhere along the way someone says you got to be more authentic show them your real self which is really scary and then it sort of comes out in a very wonky way I would rather just for all of us to show up and like, let's just have a sort of like what we're doing now. Hey, we're having a chat, right? Like we're two guys and the audience, like we're just, we're having a conversation. There's no filter. Um, Is the lighting perfect? No. Are there noises in the background? Yes. And that's real life. And I'm hoping that through all this COVID, we can just get real with each other. Like we've seen a lot of our crap. So let's just say we all have some, we all have a backpack Yeah, and let's, let's get to work on trying to make it a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, honestly, that's 
one of the reasons why I respect, really respect what you're doing with um, the 19 charities and all of the riding that you're doing. So let's, let's actually shift gears slightly and talk about that because I think that that's just incredible, the kind of stuff that you're doing. So tell me a little bit about how you're now applying this to uh, Thank You 19 and that ride. Yeah, so a few weeks ago, I was sort of bemoaning this whole COVID thing. I was having a little bad moment, to be honest. I was like, golly, all the charity rides I normally do, all the races I normally do, everything's canceled. Why am I training? Why am I trying to kill myself with hard workouts? All that jazz. And then I just started thinking, wow, it's going to be 19 years come July. 19 years since this accident. That's crazy. 19. Like, where did the time go? That type of thing. And I was like, whoa, 19, COVID-19. I was like, oh, that's weird. I'm like, huh. So I have no races to race. I have no charity rides to, you know, do charity rides with or collect donations. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be a victim to this whole thing, right? I mean, this is happening for me, not to me. So I was like, I'm going to create my own event. We're going to do, we're going to make up something crazy. So I'm going to ride 19 hours for 19 charities with a goal of raising $1.9 million. Now that Josh made my back sweat because I've never tried to raise that amount of money. Yeah, that's a sizable, that's a sizable amount. And I was like, but but it, but it works the whole 19, it works. (laughs) So I I probably could have said like 190,000, but I was like, let's go, go big or go home. Right. And I had no plan, but except that I was like, I'm going to, you know, I'd love to do things on July 11th anyway, to celebrate life and to celebrate those who have supported me along the way. Cause I'm only here talking to you today back on my bike, doing what I'm doing, because so many people came to my aid during my crisis. And we are now in the middle of several crises. And so many people are coming to the aid of others, you know, putting themselves in harm's way as they're trying to help others with their health or with their homelessness or ending racism. And the list can go on and on. And it does with all the 19 charities. And I was like, I'm just going to do something because like, you know what? If we all just did something a little bit better, then that's a, you know, call it the butterfly effect, call it a ripple. We can create a lot of cool energy to bring about the change that we're looking to bring about. And so I was like, all right. So I went home, I sent a text to my cycling coach. I was like, crazy idea. What do you think? He was like, love it, dude. And because that's how those guys talk. Um, And then I sent a text to my physical therapist and I was like, what do you think? And she was like, I think it's pretty cool. I was like, all right, I've told two people. I went up to tell my wife and my wife didn't like roll her eyes. She was like, that's my husband. And (laughs) then I was like, all right, let's get to work and try to figure it out. So uh, I'm actually in the room where it'll happen on July 11th, where I'll ride 19 hours. The, the bike that you have, it's your, it's an actual road bike, but you just have it on a a stand essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So basically it's a, what they call a smart trainer. So you take off the back wheel, you connect it to the smart trainer and that connects to your computer and a gaming app called Zwift, Z-W-I-F-T. And there you have your own little cycling avatar. And I could actually get on my bike right now and there'd be like tens of thousands of other little avatars, other cyclists in their pain cave like mine riding right now all across the world like australia and new zealand and china and japan and europe and here in america or in south america and in africa as well so you have this like virtual 
racing virtual riding. So on the 11th, I'm going to be riding on that. So other people across the world can ride along with me. We can give ourselves little high fives and all that jazz like that. And as the terrain on the computer screen changes, as it gets steeper, the resistance on the bike gets steeper. And when you're going downhill, it eases up on its resistance. And then the flywheel sort of moves a little bit easier on the bike. So you get to mimic real world conditions, which is which is pretty cool. It's a totally revolutionized how we do indoor cycling um, nowadays compared to when I started when I was in high school. Yeah, we were talking about that right before the, the show started about you like training in New York uh, in like a dark basement and stuff. And now all the advantages that people have as far as training is concerned today. Yeah, it's crazy. Like it was definitely like a rocky moment when I was growing up. It was like dark, dank and damp. And I was just like had AM radio or whatever. Uh, I'm showing my age. But now it's like, you know, air conditioned. I got the fans going. We got this Zwift app thing happening. I'm also going to like follow along on the Peloton app because some of my friends are not on Zwift, but they're on Peloton. So there are ways that other people can ride with me because 19 hours, that's a long, that's a long time in the saddle. I'm going to need yeah. some company and need some encouragement. So I'm, I'm asking for people to ride alongside of me and share the news about the ride. And of course, uh, make a donation if they're in the, if they're in the economic position or financial position to make one. Well, so perfect, uh, perfect segue. How, how can they support you? Where should they go? How can they ride alongside you during this? I think it's amazing. Yeah, so the URL that I gave you right before we logged on, that's the main page. And there you, you they can find a little bit more of the story behind it all. And the 19 charities. So the 19 charities run the gamut. There are three wonderful ones trying to undo racism, the NAACP, uh, the Innocence Project, which is uh, more about uh, sort of social, like the justice system and our corrupt system. Uh, then there's humanitarian aid organizations like Mercy Corps and Global Giving and Alight. And there are organizations behind women's empowerment, like Girls Inc. and World Bicycle Relief. So there is a charity there for everyone. There's some are global, some are domestic, some are big names, some are little, like Project Kind in New Jersey. They work with homelessness. And, you know, a lot of people have said, like, Michael, this, this whole thing is crazy. Like 19 hours on your bike, really? Like, it's really like, you're nuts. And the answer I have for them, Josh, is what's crazier is the fact in our country, kids go hungry every day, that racism still exists, that there's still homelessness, that we don't have great prenatal care for moms who are expecting, that people don't have clean water, and the list can go on and on. Like, all those things are far crazier than riding 19 hours inside. Because I know this, on 19 hours and one minute on the clock, I get off the bike. But if you're homeless, if you have um, felt the negative impact of racism or you don't have clean water, you don't know when it's going to end. And that stress, that way of living is so harder. That's so much more crazy, crazy than riding my bike. And it's something like all those issues, all those concerns – with my upbringing, who I am, I, I've never really had to, I've never had to face it. Um, and so me riding for 19 hours is the least crazy thing about the whole event. The fact that we've tolerated all this in the richest country in the world, that's crazy. 
So they can go there and find out more about the ride. They can make a donation. And then next week, I'm going to post a schedule of how people can follow along with me on the Peloton app, as well as on the Zwift uh, gaming app as well. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and actually like, uh, just speaking of Zwift, um, you mentioned it and David just said, uh, that is incredible. He just checked out the video on the site Zwift. <clears throat> so, so you're, uh, you're, you're letting people in on some, uh, some things that they didn't know existed. Thus yeah. Far. No, yeah. Zwift is really cool. It's, I, I, again, it's like, you know, we get to race against pros and other, you know, I got my Zwift friends that I, they're only my Zwift friends, you know, like, and we, you know, we do rides together. It's, it's, it's really cool. And there's a whole gamification of it. it like for any gamer out there, it totally speaks to them and they take gamification and bring it into cycling. And it, it has really revolutionized how we train, especially in the winter. Most guys now don't go out much in the winter. They're like, oh, it's too cold. I'll just stay inside. I'm like, I'll do Zwift. And I'm like, all right, you know, uh, and I and I do that too. Uh, but every now and again, you just gotta get out with Mother Nature and 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 breathe in the air and see the blue sky. And even if it's a little cold, you know that that cold big breath you take in the morning helps you feel alive. So um, I'm I do a little bit of both, to be honest. I like it, man. Yeah, there's no substitute for old school. Just getting out there. I totally agree. Uh, and, uh, and I'll tell you, I just respect the hell out of what you're doing. I think that it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. I mean, the, just the 19 hours, but the reasons behind it, everything that you have said in this conversation has been, has been spot on, man. And I, uh, I really just want to say thanks for taking the time and come and explain a lot of this stuff. I got a ton out of this. Uh, thanks, Josh. It was great. And I just, and when you reached out, I was, you know, cause I've been watching your show and, other people you've interviewed, you always bring on such incredible people. So when you reached out, it, it was, yeah, I was, I was really grateful. I was honored to be considered in their same company. And, you know, the timing is great because we're doing this big thing. And the reality is just like my recovery, I can't do this by myself. You know, this requires the 19 charities spreading the word and then everyone we can reach. And hopefully they'll share this with other people and maybe more donations come in. Maybe some companies want to get on board. And at the end of the day, we can uh, help a whole bunch of people become more resilient and, you know, prevent those bad moments from turning into bad days or even longer. Yep. 100%. And honestly, guys, for those that are listening, go check out the site, go, you know, connect with Michael. The things that he's doing is, are just fantastic. And so, um, I completely agree, man. And, uh, and again, just thank you for taking the time. This has been a great conversation. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and so as we wrap up, as we wrap up another episode, um, do you have any parting words for people before we go? Something you'd like to leave them with? Well, I would just remind them to breathe, grab their PBRs. When you get stuck, make sure you have the right people around you. I call it my Peloton call it your personal board of directors if you want to take a corporate perspective to it but we need a strong peloton just like the tour de france that's a group of cyclists in a bike race that's a peloton and even though they're on different teams they need each other to go down the road as fast as possible so make sure you're riding with the right people so when we have a bad moment we gotta grab a pbr we reframe it that it's happening for us not to us maybe catalog some of the successes that we've had in the past tap into your peloton take small steps or 
small pedal strokes. And then you finish it off with a little bit of gratitude. And I think those are great steps to prevent those bad moments that we're all going to experience from turning into a bad day or even longer. Dude, I couldn't agree more. And people that are watching and listening also say the same thing. Linda says, so needed to hear this today. Thank you, Michael, so much for sharing your newness of life. You and those intentional breaths gave me back my energy. That's awesome, Linda. That's good. Thank you, Linda. Yeah, very, very cool. Well, thanks again, my man. Uh, This has been great. Uh, I wish you the best of luck. I'll certainly be donating and I'll be watching you the 19 hours. So, uh, so yeah, I wish that I had a bike actually to do this with you with. Well, but, so you can join. Actually, I forgot to mention, I'm going to be streaming the whole thing. Okay. okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to be streaming it on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, LinkedIn, and Twitch. So I know nothing like the gaming, I, the, the gaming yeah, of Twitch. I'll be, Fully transparent. Like <laughs> I just signed up for Twitch. I have no idea what the heck I'm doing over there, but it's going there too. So, um, so on the on the eleventh, you can watch me. I'm gonna do basically 19 streams because I'm riding for four, 50 minutes, taking a 10 minute break to you know bio and get some food, and then so every hour upon the hour, we'll do a new stream. So if people want to watch me, um, they can. You know, and that 19th hour, it, it may not be a pretty sight. So you may need to look away, but we'll, uh, we'll get, we'll get to the end. That's no the doubt. authentic. That's the authentic Michael right there. <laughs> yeah, there, there'll hour. be no filter. There'll be no filter. <laughs> it will be like just me and um, it won't be pretty. So just keep your kids away. I'm just, that's <laughs> my warning. So, And by the way, speaking of kids, if there's anybody here uh, listening that knows anything about Twitch Get in touch with Michael. Show him what's yes. about, the, about how, to, how to work it. And, yeah. uh, and man, I can't wait. I can't wait until um, this happens on the 11th. So again, thank you so much for being here. Really, really just appreciated your company and the things that you were explaining to everybody. So uh, thanks again for being on the show. No problem, Josh. Enjoy your, the rest of your afternoon. All right. Thank you. You too. So this is Mike and Josh streaming from Key West. And, uh, and I'll tell you what. This has been a great conversation. Thank you guys for joining in, and we will see you next time. Adios. Bye, everyone.